0: The way you do the things you do. The Temptations on KRCL 90.9. And Mine Forever from Lord Huron starting us off tonight. My thanks to eBay, Jamil Hamilton, for another great afternoon drive ahead of that. You can always check out what we're playing by visiting our playlist online at krcl.org. I'm Laura Jones, and this is Radioactive, plugging you into grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. So coming up tonight, new legislation in Congress will extend and expand the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, a.k.a. RECA, if successful. Utah Congressman Burgess Owens is a co-sponsor of the House bill, which will extend coverage to all of Utah and six western states, Radioactive is going to bring you more with journalist and downwinder Mary Dixon. Books unite us. Censorship divides us. That is the theme of this year's Banned Books Week going on now through October 2nd. Check your favorite library or local bookstore to celebrate the right to read. Karen Liu of the County Library will offer her three quick picks for Banned Books Week before the hour is up, folks. First, an update from the organizations working to welcome and help more than 700 Afghan refugees as they get resettled in Utah in the wake of the U.S. military's departure and the Taliban's return to power in that country. There are ways you can help. Let's pass the mic and find out more right now.
1: Hi, my name is Natalie Aldiri. I'm the executive director for the International Rescue Committee in Salt Lake City.
2: Hi, I'm Aiden Batar. I'm the Director of Migration and Refugee Services for Catholic Community Services of Utah.
0: Thanks for giving me some time over Zoom. I wanted to catch up and see how things have been since we last spoke a couple weeks back uh, with the impending arrival of uh, refugees from Afghanistan. So, Natalie, could you start and tell us what's happened in the ensuing weeks?
1: Yeah, so um, so a lot has happened. We're very busily busily preparing our operations and services to receive um, an influx of uh, refugees from Afghanistan. The state is expected to receive 765 individuals over the next six months. We anticipate that being a little bit longer, but over that period of time, the IRC and CCS will be receiving and and support and providing support services to to, um, some of our newest
0: arrivals. So Aiden, the two organizations work in tandem. How have the last couple of weeks been for Catholic Community Services of Utah on this issue?
2: It has been a very busy time as we prepare for the arrival of the Afghan refugee and also other refugees that are coming as well. Uh, So uh, we've been looking for housing and um, and other support services that the refugees are in need when they arrive. So uh, it has been very busy. Uh, busy weeks, and and I would say whole month of August and this month as well. So
0: we've seen a lot in the news with immigrants from Haiti down on the U.S.-Mexico border and a camp there that's been cleared out. Will we be seeing folks from Haiti here in Utah? Uh,
2: We haven't been getting Haitian refugees uh, for a long time, but I think uh, right now the refugees that we are receiving are coming from Congo and uh, the also the Afghan um, and and, and some other refugees that are also coming includes uh, Somali refugees and so forth.
0: Regardless, these folks need our help. And when we spoke last, you talked about different ways folks could help. And I heard that you've been inundated since then. What uh, has come in and what do you still need?
2: I think that the need is still great, so we still need uh, monetary donation. is our biggest need right now that we could use to pay things that uh, we don't have. And also, if there are landlords out there that are listening, uh, we would like you to contact Ask Catholic Community Services and International Rescue Committee. We both looking for uh, houses to rent, and also we both have a lot of. Uh, items that we listed in our, on our website. So we direct people to, to visit our website so they can uh, see what our needs are. And it's all every day we updating those lists in our websites.
0: What is your website for Catholic Community Services, Aidan?
2: It is www.ccsutah.org.
0: And Natalie, for the International Rescue Committee in Salt Lake City, I know trying to get right to the Salt Lake City page is primary for this. Mm-hmm.
1: It's rescue.org forward slash Salt Lake City. Um, and we have a whole section built up that's uh, called the Utah Welcome Home uh, Fund and, and resources that people can can contribute to.
0: So in addition to cash, I'm guessing that you're also um, looking to find landlords or hosts, et cetera. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we are, Um, and I think um, of course landlords is probably the the most critical piece. Um, We're hoping that people won't have to stay in temporary housing for too long and that we'll be able to get them a home quite quickly. Um, And so we have some some great prospects out there, but of course more are always needed. Um, The other thing that's always helpful is is donated uh, materials, like uh, in-kind supports, doing donation drives, um, household items, Um, new furniture is always appreciated as well, or gently used, uh, because we do furniture people's homes quite fully when they first arrive. A couch, a dining table, plates, utensils, all of those all of those things. So want to make sure that people have good quality things when they arrive and that it feels like a home uh, when when they first walk into their apartments.
0: Well, Natalie and Aiden, both your organizations, very robust, but to have a, such an influx over six months is going to put a strain on your resources. And I know folks want to help. And so I'm guessing you have training programs or ways for people to, to sign up um, from everything from helping folks get around town, maybe some English as a second language folks can get trained up. and um, mm-hmm. Lots of different ways for the average person to make a difference in a small way that comes off being a really big thing in the community, Natalie. Um,
1: very much so. And I think, you know, to, to Aiden's point earlier is we, we just want to make sure that we, we're we not um, forgetting the other refugee arrivals that come into the state. And so even though you're contributing to our Afghan response, which is of critical importance right now, we're also very excited to be welcoming a diverse pipeline of refugees that are, that are also joining the, the Afghan refugees will be coming at the same time. So we have our warm winter clothing drive going on right now where we ensure that all new arrivals have the winter goods that they need. And then we have personal shoppers who will go around our donation area and help people pick out items. So there's plenty of ways to, to get engaged, uh, whether it's in Afghanistan, Afghan response or, or, or other opportunities to, to help welcome other individuals who are making their homes in, in Utah.
0: And folks coming here who might not be prepared for the climate, you need all different sizes, men, women and children.
1: That's exactly right. Um, boots, uh, warm socks. You know, we, we definitely um, take new items. And so um, so that's that's a one caveat there. But um, gloves and hats and scarves, anything. Just imagine going from a warm climate into a Utah climate and preparing for our winters. We just want to make sure that people have have what they need to get to school, get to work, um, navigate, you know, a, a winter here in our community.
0: It's a great opportunity okay. for individual folks to, to donate, but perhaps an opportunity to put a drive together in one's place of work or even worship, Natalie.
1: That's exactly right. Um, it can be anywhere. Talk to your neighbors. Do it yourself. Go to Costco, pick out a few jackets while you're there shopping, drop them off at our office. Those are just great ways
0: to, to help out. Aiden, I'm sorry, I stepped on you there. Aiden Batar.
2: Yes, I also want to add uh, to what Natalie uh, already said. There is also a need for uh uh, technology, uh, because as as we know nowadays that we use a lot of, uh, uh, you know, digital navigation. So we need uh, computers, tablets uh, for 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 the youth and the, for the families as they start school and also learning the language. So we need all the all the electronics uh, that we could get, especially computers. The laptops is very badly needed right now.
0: Laptops. I'm guessing phones as well.
2: Yes, absolutely. Anything that they can connect. Uh, uh, and also communicate would be really helpful.
0: So mm-hmm. Aiden, 765 folks coming over the next six months from Afghanistan uh, in particular. What should landlords know about a relationship with working with refugees who are being resettled and any special requirements or cultural sensitivities that they need to be prepared for?
2: Well, the landlords, I would say that uh, our organizations uh, will be working with you and you don't have to worry about on how to pay the the rent and uh, but we also look in landlords who will be very flexible and also if they can help us reduce their rent so they can be affordable for the families that we're resettling we would be training them we make sure that you know the families pay their rent on time so that's something that they don't have to worry about but i think we desperately need affordable housing and that we can uh, place with these families as they arrive so they can take care of their families. And, and the families will be getting jobs right away as soon as they arrive here. And so that we will be teaching them on how to become self-sufficient is our goal.
0: And when we spoke last, Aiden, you talked about the need for a home for refugee foster kids. You, you put out that call saying, if anybody's got a house out there, we could really use it. Any response on that yet? Or are you still looking?
2: We, we are still looking for a foster care uh, families who can become a foster parent to, to take foster families. And also uh, we started a, uh, what do we call it, you know, independent living program where we put uh, the uh, youth who uh, reach the age of 18 so we can place them into a home. So they will learn the skills of uh, living on their own. So if uh, you have a house that, you want to donate to, to us, uh, that would be really helpful so we can use for that cause as well.
0: All right. Aiden and Natalie, I know you're starting to probably see the names and the backgrounds of um, potential refugees from Afghanistan or Congo or where have you come across your desk. Can you tell us a little bit about these folks um, and maybe connect us with them a little bit more?
2: Aiden? So the, the Afghan refugees uh, that are coming right now, uh, the people who risk their life working side by side with our forces in Afghanistan, they, they, they were the interpreters, they were the, the contractors, so they put their lives on the line and, uh, you know, helping our forces to succeed their fight in Afghanistan, so But now it is our turn to help them when they come to our community, that we need to provide them all the support that they need. And also all these other refugees that are coming also have had similar situation that they are escaping war, violence and uh, inhumane conditions uh, when they come here. uh, We need to show them respect and also to provide them all the support that they need. So, but they, as soon as they arrive here, they just uh, want to be part of this community, contributing members of our society, They're law abiding citizens, they work hard and they will contribute to our economy as well. Natalie.
1: Um, so the IRC has had several staff that have been deployed at the, the military bases, the federal facilities, um, you know, helping to process some of the families. And and I think, um, you know, I was just debriefing with one of my staff members today, and and he was sharing with me that, you know, the stories and the things that we've seen on the media are really just the tip of the iceberg of what families have really experienced um, in their flight from Afghanistan. And that's true of Afghan refugees, but of other refugees that, that we serve, is that, what we know about those conflicts and those situations, um, there's so much more <laughs> to that situation or to the to the trauma that people have experienced, and and it's important to to realize that when you see hundreds of people trying to board a flight, there are you know thousands others right alongside that 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 were in other desperate circumstances surrounding that, and so. Um, so, so I think that that's that's one of the the connections that that I'm making right now is that as we're receiving people, um, that there is there is uh, going to be a lot of of time that's needed to process the grief and the trauma that individuals are, are coming here with. And we open our arms, we open our resources, we open so much more and we're, we're an incredible community here in Utah and in Salt Lake City. Um, but also that there, there's gonna be moments of grace and compassion and empathy um, as people are, are processing and, and creating a new life. I also think an important component is that um, to remember, I think with any refugee um, or immigrant population is that the majority of the time, people don't want to leave their homes. It's like you and I, like I wouldn't want to pick up and have to fly, you know, flee for my life or or have to migrate because I don't have the resources to feed my family, whatever it is. And so I think that there's an element of our own cultural humility that's required in understanding uh, the journeys that people are making and the circumstances surrounding those.
0: Natalie and Aiden, thank you so much for your time and the work that you and your organizations do in our community.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you very much. That's Natalie Eldiri, Executive Director of the International Rescue Committee in Salt Lake City, and Aidan Batar, Director of Migration and Refugee Services for Catholic Community Services of Utah. As part of World Refugee Month in June, CCS recorded and shared the story of one of their clients, Mahmoud, an Afghan refugee, and his family. They've graciously given us permission to share it with you tonight.
3: My name is Mahmoud and uh, I have a wife and uh, four children, one son and three daughter. Uh, life in Afghanistan uh, not got very bad bad condition right now. Every day that uh, when you uh, leave home, it seems that it's, uh, my life is in danger because uh, nobody knows that ha- what will happen next. There is a lot of bomb, bomb uh, explosion. We don't know where they put the bombs Would so suddenly it exploded like that. I was working with the U.S. Army in Afghanistan for four years, interpreting for them. The Taliban has targeted those people who who is working with the foreigners and the international organizations, killing people. Our life was in danger. I thought that what will happen with my children, with my family, so uh, this plan we uh, make uh, together, me and my wife. We had to leave the Afghanistan as soon as possible. And uh, my supervisor uh, gave me the recommendation letter. In the uh, beginning, when, uh, when I uh, submit my document, after uh, six months I got my approval. But uh, the duration of time, uh, it, we didn't know that when we will go. But uh, because it's a long process, takes like uh, 3 years that uh, we was waiting for our visa after approving that so they gave us for all of our family visa and so we uh, plan to come to the United States and Utah because their future is very important for me for uh, especially my children we left Afghanistan on 23rd of March so on that day uh, as you know that on last year is a very bad condition because of the coronavirus lockdown everywhere. My cousin is here and uh, he just came uh, to the airport and pick up me from there. We went to their house for, for just one week. After that, I introduced myself to the CCS and they helped me with the uh, rent of apartment and the other things in the beginning. when you work here so uh, it's much different uh, in our country i enjoy here from the working and also my family because i am sure that my family is my children is going to school and uh, they are studying their future will be bright my um, kids is very happy here since last year i i see difference uh, their hobbies and everything and they are enjoying from studying to going to school my wife is my wife is also the same, busy life, but uh, still we don't have any problem. Coming to the new country is not uh, also, is not uh, very easy, maybe from different countries they think that when you go to the uh, highest camp- uh, country and uh, maybe they will help you, the government help you always, but no, it's not like this in the beginning they will help us like that uh, they will show our way that this is the way you can go you have to make your life here and you have to work hard and harder and harder and think about your future and your family future
0: and that is Mahmoud, an afghan refugee resettled in utah check tonight's show notes for a link to catholic community services and the international rescue committee in salt lake city and consider donating some of your extra time and dimes to their programs in our community. I'm Laura Jones, and this is Radioactive. Still to come, a push in Congress to extend and expand the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. It's backed by Utah's own Congressman Burgess Owens. Three quick picks for Band Books Week and Brett Denon's See the World, coming up next on KRCL.
4: Everyone plays a role in suicide prevention. Call 1-800-273-8255 for 24-7. Free and confidential support for people in distress. Prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones. And best practices for professionals. Hi, this is Karen Liu, a librarian from the County Libraries Riverton branch, with three quick picks for Banned Books Week. Pick number one is Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You by Ibram X. Kendi and Jason Reynolds. In this version of Stamped, Jason Reynolds remixes or reframes Ibram Kendi's scholarly work Stamped from the Beginning, making it readable and accessible for middle grade and YA readers in a fast-paced, energetic, team-friendly format. This book covers important historical figures and movements in United States history, providing us a lens to learn or unlearn many of the lessons we were taught in school. I highly recommend the audiobook version narrated by author Jason Reynolds. It's like he's having an engaging conversation with us, just what we want in a nonfiction text giving us a historical account of the origin and perpetuation of racism in ideologies and institutions in our country. This book has been banned or challenged due to claims that the book contains selective storytelling incidents and does not encompass racism against all people. Pick number two is George by Alex Gino. When people look at George, they think they see a boy, but she knows she's not a boy. She knows she's a girl. This touching novel about an elementary school student named George gives us perspective of the life of a young transgender person showing us daily life struggles of acceptance, bullying, even coming out to her mom. My own middle schooler and high schooler read this with me and we found George to be sweet, brave, and courageous. Ultimately, this is a heartwarming tale about learning to accept who you are. It tells other kids out there that they are not alone and there are support networks available to them. George has been challenged, banned, and restricted for LGBTQIA content, for conflicting with a religious viewpoint and for not reflecting the values of certain communities. Finally, pick number three is Anne Frank's The Diary of a Young Girl, which is a firsthand account of life in Nazi Germany from the perspective of a teen Jewish girl. This is the diary that Anne Frank kept while she, her family, and others were in hiding in an apartment attic in Amsterdam. She details what those two years were like until they were found and taken to concentration camps. Anne Frank's The Diary of a Young Girl is still occasionally removed from shelves or reading lists today. The reasons are not because students may have nightmares from reading about the Frank family hiding in an attic or being dragged into Nazi death camps, but because at one brief point, 14-year-old Anne describes her maturing anatomy. The book has been banned or challenged due to passages that have been considered sexually offensive as well as for the tragic nature of the book, which some feel might be depressing for young readers. American journalist Scott Simon said, banned books remind us of the power of the written word. So celebrate our freedom to read and check out these and other challenged or banned books at the County Library or online at thecountylibrary.org. I'm Karen Liu from the County Library with three quick picks for Banned Books Week on KRCL.
0: Brett Denon, See the World on KRCL 90.9. And before that, three quick picks for Banned Books Week from Karen Liu of the County Library. Check tonight's show post for her picks and check them out from your library or look for them at your local bookstore and celebrate the right to read during Banned Books Week. I'm Laura Jones, and this is Radioactive, plugging you into your community of grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. All right. With time running out, new legislation offers hope and urgency for survivors of nuclear testing and uranium mining. Earlier this month, two senators and a representative introduced new legislation to extend and expand the 1990 Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, also known as RECA. To find out more, let's pass the radioactive mic. Perhaps not the best choice of words.
5: <laughs> the Radioactive mic. I'm Mary Dixon and I am a downwinder who suffered thyroid cancer. I have been working with other people on expanding um, RICA for probably two decades, Laura. Um, this is finally giving us some hope. I think these bills will have good bi- bipartisan support. And I see this as really our last chance because without it, RICA expires Next July, which means many Utah's and others would not be compensated. Um, But I have worked on this for so long, and there are a lot of other people working incredibly hard on it in other states that are impacted and that this bill would add.
0: So this originates with our nuclear testing in this country back in Nevada, and the plume initially was said to be very small. And we found that not to be true over the years. In fact, this wouldn't be the first expansion of those who would qualify for compensation under RICA, correct?
5: Correct, correct. There there was legislation introduced before um, to change the act. And this one, though, goes farther. But as you say, the plume went so much farther than they originally admitted. Um, I like to tell people, Laura, you know how we would look out our windows and see all the smoke from the fires in California? And that is because winds blow westerly in the United States. That's where they go. Well, I've talked to friends in Montana and Wyoming and other Western states who say they were also blanketed with that smoke. And that smoke is something very visible we can see, but radiation wasn't so visible. Yet it, you know, wended its way through the bodies of many of us living downwind. And I I like to tell people that that went as far east as New York and up into Canada. So a lot has been discovered and studies have come out since the original RECA that show that it needs to be expanded beyond the orig- original 22 counties.
0: Yeah, that was 22 rural counties in Utah, Nevada, right. and Arizona. Currently, northern Utah and Salt Lake City not covered under Rika.
5: Not covered, though we often got as much as some of those covered counties. In fact, many times more than them. Interestingly, the, the first highest county for exposure was Washington County, where St. George is. The second was Jim Idaho. Wow. The third was in Montana. So, it um, there have been people affected throughout the West for many years, and we have been living and suffering and waiting and waiting. And one thing I always tell people is that so many people have died waiting for this expansion. Um, I've I lost friends this year who had worked on this with me. Preston Truman, who is from Idaho, well from Utah, but lives in Idaho, was kind of my mentor in all this. And he died of his second cancer. He got a second cancer um, back in February. And I, I, everyone I worked with on this issue in Utah, the people I worked with for years, they are all gone. Um, So I just feel a real urgency. I have a friend who's dying right now, who's a downwinder. He's got three cancers and it, it, the story just doesn't stop. I mean, people see cancers return. They develop secondary cancers. They develop other health complications. And, you know, a lot of people are still struggling to pay medical bills. Yeah. You know,
0: I think people listening to this, including me and my family are going, okay, now my family members, cancer, kind of makes sense. There's no other indicator. But now when you look at the science of where the plume was, and you say gem Idaho, yeah, my mom's from Idaho, or was. Oh, wow. And it, you know, it makes even more sense. I've been looking at Rika going, should our family apply? So how does it work to apply for compensation under Rika? Um, okay,
5: I'll tell you. And it's a it's a bit of a lengthy process. You have to prove that you lived in one of the approved counties during certain years and that you developed one of the covered 18 cancers or leukemia. So that's that's what it is right now. Um, And then you getting that documentation though, especially think of this, if you were a child in those years exposed and, and exposed as children, we were more vulnerable, but you don't have records of where you live necessarily. You don't have your medical records necessarily. Um, so it's it can be a little tough. I have to say in Utah, you can, if you were ever a member of the Mormon church, they do have an office that will help you prove you went to church and lived in Utah during certain years or other states. So that is one option, but it can be hard. Um, and we always thought that it didn't go far enough. I, I mean, if you look at the map of counties in Utah, the counties covered, and then northern Utah that wasn't, I, I always think, what, was there some magic shield at those county lines that stopped it from crossing over? And we know it didn't. We know it, it pretty much, it hit Utah hard.
0: Yeah, the new bill would raise compensation from $50,000 to 150000 for all claimants. So would that adjust for folks who have already claimed it? Yeah. So what happens
5: if you have already received it, you can submit and receive the additional hundred thousand. So you would be eligible for that. Um, So I am so hoping that this passes I mean, people who are listening, who've suffered cancer probably know that 50,000 hardly makes a dent in your medical bill. Um, I I think it's kind of interesting that the first responders get, I think somebody was telling me, it's about 1.3 million. So apparently the lives of victims of terrorist attacks are worth more than the lives of victims of radiation by our own government.
0: That is what is so hard when it gets into the question of financial compensation for victims of so many things. But what's interesting is this uh, other updates to the bill include expanding coverage to Guam and Trinity downwinders. And yes. you tell me in your release that while studies have shown the increased incidence of leukemia downwind of the Trinity site in New Mexico, downwinders of that first nuclear test in 45 have never been included. Exactly.
5: They were never included. And so this bill remedies that. It, it makes them eligible, um, which is so important because, I mean, think of this. That was 1945. A yeah. lot of them aren't here anymore.
0: There's also the uranium and uh, uranium mill and mining workers who haven't been covered and they did the dirty work literally.
5: Oh yeah. And, and many of them were on reservations. I mean, the Navajo nation had uranium mines and some of the people we've been working with on this are members of the Navajo nation who have worked hard because if they were miners after 1971, they are not covered though, they are getting sick, and they are dying as well. And so, so it would make those who worked after 71 eligible.
0: So expanding the 1990 Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, RICA, is on the boards, literally, what is it that you would like folks listening to this to do?
5: What I would love them to do, okay, this is interesting as well, Uh, Representative Burgess Owens is a co-sponsor of the House bill. I would like them to contact their representatives and urge them to join him. Um, And in supporting, let me give you the number, it's H.R. 5338. That's H.R. 5338. And it's incredibly important that we contact our senators as well well, because they have not signed on um, and ask Senators Romney and Senators Lee to support S-2798. That's S-2798. Um, people can look up online those bills, read the full text. They can see who else co-sponsored. There is a good list of bipartisan sponsorship. Senator Cory um, Booker out of New Jersey is a big proponent of the Senate bill. He signed on There, there are people It it just um, kind of makes me feel a bit bad that senators in other states are such strong proponents of this and our own senators have not signed on yet. So I am hoping that they
0: will join in and sign on to this and support it. So Mary, remind folks the play that you wrote about this. This has permeated your life in so
5: many ways. Oh, it sure has. So I wrote a play that premiered here at Plan B Theater um, in 2008 called Exposed. And it's basically my own story. Um, uh, my sister and I are kind of main characters in it, but it, it's um, because she died. She died at age 46 and left three kids behind. And so for me, it's incredibly personal, incredibly. And since then I have another sister who's been diagnosed with cancer and another sister has been diagnosed with autoimmune disorder. She's being treated at Johns Hopkins. So it's very personal.
0: It's incredibly personal to you, but so many folks who have lost loved ones and thinking, well, they're gone. I can't do anything about it. They can still apply as a survivor, correct?
5: Yes. Yes. So if you are a child of someone who has died, you can apply, which would mean that my sister's children could apply. Um, And I think it even extends to grandchildren.
0: That's writer, activist, and downwinder Mary Dixon. Her award-winning play, Exposed, tells her own story and that of her late sister, Anne, who died of cancer related to fallout from nuclear testing in the 40s and 50s. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the Radiation Exposure Compensation Program which expires next July if Congress fails to act. I also have a link for you there to a RECA claim form and other information about the Radiation Exposure Compensation Program. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for plugging into your community with Radioactive. Democracy Now! coming up at 7, Vagabond Radio at 8 with Barbie, The Late Night Lowdown with Connor at 10.30, Chovy Super Sounds at 1 a.m., and A Brand New Day, with Eric Nelson sitting in for John Florence starts at 6 a.m. You can listen on demand to the last two weeks of any show, including Radioactive, when you visit krcl.org. This next song is for Mary Dixon. It may be bittersweet, Mary, but I'm still here, and so are you. Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings on KRCL.